1: You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org.
0: And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Folks, my guest this evening is Andy Partington. He is a man with a very interesting history, remarkable story, and a wonderful brother in Christ. He grew up in a residential treatment or rehabilitation program because his folks were involved in ministry there. He ended up after high school uh, working with YWAM, Youth with a Mission, a wonderful organization, and then pursued further education, eventually getting his PhD from the London School of Theology. So um, he's now a published author with a book that I wanna talk with you about and recommend to you, because so many people struggle with addiction. Mm-hmm. And the name of this book, is hope in addiction. Because one of the things folks have got to have if they're going to get out of addiction is they've got to have hope. One of the things we have to have to get through life, is hope. And there is hope for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Andy, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you for talking with us this evening. It's a pleasure, James. So good to be with you. Now, you are not in the next room. Mm. Uh, you're on the other side of the globe. uh Tell us a bit about your upbringing and your experiences and how you ended up uh serving the lord mm. so
1: I grew up in in residential rehab, as you said. I kind of joke that um I went into rehab at five years of age and i didn't leave <laughs> until I was eighteen <laughs> um, which which is true um but of course, uh, you know I was there because my parents were involved in that ministry and um yeah, it was a fantastic childhood. I mean, it was just my childhood. And so I, you know, ate my evening meals with the guys on the program in the school holidays. I would go out and work with them on on the estate uh, of Yeldor Manor, uh, the rehab, and um was thoroughly blessed to grow up in that environment. You know, this community of men pursuing God, pursuing freedom um real honest brotherhood um I went at, at 18 as you mentioned went off to YWAM and uh, kind of kicked off into kind of young adulthood with no sense whatsoever that though I had loved growing up in that environment that would be then the sort of core of my of my working life and, and ministry but you know as, as often the case God's got his own plans and, and yeah. prepares us in, in in unique ways to serve him so I was actually with my family. Um, I'm married with five kids, and uh, we were in Bolivia, South America, serving an international church there uh, back in the 2006 to 2009. Mm -hmm. And God uh, placed me in the context of a home for street teenagers, uh, young people who were really caught in addiction, caught in, in, in all that comes with growing up on the streets and living that life. It just began to really burden me with the need for a place like that for adults uh, yeah. and there are places like that um, but a place that would be christ-centered that would really care for the whole person a place of love and compassion of of truth and grace and and all of these things and, and so began for us really at that point a journey back into this world of, of seeking to come alongside people um, wrestling with addiction
0: and trying to reconstruct their life um, on, on on the platform of christ Andy, talk with us about how widespread the problem is because it's it's a problem worldwide. Mm,
1: It it really is. It's it's this global reality. You know, we we all, I think, are aware that in our own backyard, it's it's a big issue. Um, In the U.S., the leading cause of death in those who are under fifty is drug overdoses. Forty percent. I mean, the numbers vary, but at least forty percent of us have struggled struggle with a behavioural addiction. But interestingly, yeah, globally. Uh, addiction in the broadest sense costs more than treating cancer, more than treating HIV AIDS. And and they reckon one in five people is impacted by addiction. So it's, it's an issue that runs far and wide. And of course the impacts are very deep, you know, it's, 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 it affects families. It affects children. It affects um, the
0: whole community when addiction really takes root. Absolutely. We deal with that obviously all the time here at Wares Valley Ranch, because mm-hmm. the kids that we take care of are not addicted. Mm-hmm. But over half of the kids who come here, the reason why their family is in trouble involves addiction. Okay. And it may be alcohol, it may be drugs,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or I should say some other drug. Mm-hmm. But um, but the fact is it impacts yes. those who had no say in the matter. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and and the people who are caught in that, are not real happy about their situation, no, but they don't know how to get out. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I, I kind of talk about the the fact that, you know, addiction, as, as you've just described, it's it's so often a multi-generational story. Absolutely. A wonderful thing. And as we look at addiction care, which is so hard and it requires heavy investment, what we need to remember is recovery is also a multi-generational story. And if you can, you can pivot, you know, in, in your location with the teenagers in your care, in our context with adults in addiction, if you can, if you can break that cycle and you can yes. see that change, it flows down the generations, the impact.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. At our last high school graduation here, one of the young ladies um, who really grew up from childhood here at the ranch mm. was able to say in her, all of our graduates speak. And uh, in her testimony, she shared how thankful she was to God, mm. the fact that her mother, was there in the room, now with four years of sobriety. And uh, and her dad was there also, though he has not been sober as long. Mm-hmm. He is also sober right now. And so, you know, again, it, it is that gave hope to other mm-hmm. people in the room. Yeah. Not only that here are some folks who made it, but it's okay to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, this is not something we have to whisper about or keep under the rug. It's okay to talk about the fact that this does affect all of us. Mm. Mm. Now, tell me about your book, because in your book, you talk about a lot, I mean, the spiritual aspect and the gospel, but you also talk about how the brain works, Mm. how Mm. it's impacted by substance abuse, Mm. and how it impacts relationships. So, Mm. talk with us some about the content of your book.
1: Mm, Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a key chapter in the book, where we look at the brain and, and, and just try to understand that a little bit. And, and, and I begin, as I try to begin, well I do begin each of the chapters really getting to someone's story and, and real lived experience. So I tell the story of a, of a guy called Simon grew up in a wonderful home and, and found himself deep in addiction, deep, deep, and got to know him at Yeldall Manor when I was working there, um, about a dec- day, decade or so ago. And, um, tragic classic but tragic story in that simon had found it so hard during the first weeks of his time with us uh, and just you could just see the light return to his eyes you could just see the the sort of real simon emerging from under the cloak of of of, of his addiction and he left the program, even another resident left. And and it wasn't many months before he was found in his flat, he'd overdosed and uh, and he was lost. And and of course, again, the family are so impacted as well as obviously Simon. And I asked the question in that context, you know, why couldn't he just change, you know? And and I think, and sometimes, you know, you hear these stories of people who just make a decision, like I'm done, I'm flushing all my drugs down the toilet and I'm moving on. You hear those stories and they're, they're wonderful, miraculous kind of, signs you know that point us to something but for most people that's not how it works for most people it's this journey and process of change and why is that well it's because the brain itself because it's so good at learning what works and what's effective the brain very quickly changes such that it zeroes in on certain behaviors and so you know when we talk about addiction the key thing is to say okay not why the addiction but why the pain Mm-hmm. And addictions serve as painkillers, they serve as solutions, and what happens is the brain becomes very focused on a particular solution, and therefore it's not as simple as just making a decision. What you need is the right context, the right support to actually walk away from old habits and and, and allow the brain to form new ways of thinking and, and operating mm-hmm. so you can live well. Um, I, I, there's a, there's a really interesting video I saw recently of someone learning to ride a bicycle that turns left when you turn right and turns (laughs) right when you turn left. And and it's brilliant because the, the brain, it took the guy nine months to learn how to do that because the brain had become so used to how it works. What was really fascinating that was that having then learned how to ride the backwards bicycle it was almost as hard to go back to a normal bicycle. Such is our brain's ability to, to really focus in on it. Yeah. It's, its learning.
0: Um, it's yeah. amazing. It is amazing. And there are wonderful things about that. Mm. In other words, that tendency on the part of our brain is one of the things that keeps us alive. Yeah. Exactly. But if it gets bent in the wrong direction, it's one of the things that will kill us yeah. exactly. if we don't get it changed.
1: Exactly. Exactly and
0: at first of
1: course, that addiction develops because the thing does work you know the person's yep. lonely and it leads them into a community and it soothes them or the hurt person's hurting and it dumbs the pain you know, so it's the brain's ability to see a solution and then grab hold of it and then the
0: solution of course becomes this huge problem right now as you've dealt with people, you're not just offering hope because you know we want to make people feel better you're offering hope. Because it really is possible to change, mm-hmm. to be changed. Talk with us about how that happens. How mm. does that change come? Mm. So yeah, ten percent of the U.S.
1: population have resolved a substance addiction, which is which is a mind-boggling number. You think that's that's people who've dealt with an addiction. Mm -hmm. How how does that change happen? Well, there's, there's two things that that happen. And of course, not everyone recovers by any means because they find Christ. My, my argument, and I think the argument of anyone who's found Christ is that Christ is the foundation, the very best foundation, not just for recovery in the narrow sense of not using drugs, alcohol, whatever, but for building the kind of fulfilling life, which is really what all of all recovery through recovery from addiction is all about I talk in the book a bit about um, Batman and Spider-Man and um, it's this kind of slightly quirky thing, but I think it really helps us to understand how recovery works and particularly kind of the role of faith in recovery. So if you compare what Batman and Spider-Man do, um, they both accomplish amazing things and and defeating an addiction is a serious accomplishment. It's not easy. Um, Batman does what Batman does because he's got the tools for the job. He's got the Batmat rang. He's got the Batmobile. He's got Robin alongside him. You know, there's community there, there's relationship. Spider-Man does what Spider-Man does because young Peter Parker was bitten by that toxic spider and an inner change and transformation occurred. So when we come to recovery, the reality is the thing, the reality is that actually at some level both things are necessary. You know, you you stay clean and sober because you know where to go and where not to go. You know how to respond when you're feeling good. You know how to respond when you're feeling bad. You right. develop a community and a support structure. You you hopefully get to really understand okay, what was driving this addiction in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's all the Batman stuff. And actually it's really important. And the church has got a lot to offer in that area. Alongside that is the Spider-Man stuff. And it's, it's, it's the X factor, you know, in, in recovery and in any transformation, any change. The Spider-Man stuff is this inside out change that happens because we're in relationship. And, and actually, I think it's really important to say with Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Actually it's actually that Trinitarian relationship which drives this. You know, we could we could talk and, and, and we and go on about what that can look like. But it's the X factor, you know, the Spider-Man stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a great analogy. And I, I, I want folks to be sure and understand you can get totally free from addiction without ever putting your faith in Jesus Christ mm. and go straight to hell. Mm. So, I mean, in other words, if all we do is get mm. in a recovery and we're off drugs or we're no longer drinking, um, one repl- one addiction will replace another. Mm. And, uh, you know, you may end up addicted to porn or addicted to materialism or addicted to whatever, but it, it getting set free from substance abuse and going to heaven... Mm. are not the same thing. Mm. And so what you said is exactly right, and that is that Jesus Christ and a relationship with him is the foundation of a really wonderful life as God intended, Mm. even if you don't have a substance abuse issue. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You don't have to be an addict in order to get saved. You do need to get saved in order to experience the abundant life that God created us for. Amen. The flip side of that is that you can be a Christian and get hooked into addiction. And I think a lot of people um sadly believe that they are immune from addiction because they're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And likewise, a lot of people sadly believe that because so-and-so is now manifesting an addiction, they must have never really been saved. Mm-hmm. That's not biblically true either, and it's not historically true. Christians can end up in the grip of sin,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they need to be set free. And non-Christians can sometimes get free from a particular addiction, but that doesn't mean, oh, now they're saved, everything's good. Yeah. Um, Jesus came to give us life Mm. and he came so that we could have that life in him, Mm. but we have to, it's a day-by-day-by-day-by-day walk, Mm. and we mustn't assume that because I know the Lord, I can do whatever, and it really won't impact me.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, we share share that same amazing, but very dangerous brain, you know, And, and one of my concerns in this whole area is the person who's found faith in christ has found freedom in Mm -hmm. christ has actually built a recovery very strongly on their faith but has then relapsed and and actually the discouragement that comes and, and this this distinction is actually really important you know your faith in christ will be the turbocharger that drives your whole life and within that your relationship with with drugs alcohol whatever it might be but if you fall back what that doesn't mean is you know god stopped loving you you never found a faith in him what it means is there's deeper yet to go with him. You know, maybe there's some unfinished business in, in your in your process of of coming to him and, and and maturing in him. But also there's maybe some really practical things you need to do differently. You know, I got a, a good friend who's relapsed after many years. And actually when you 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 talk to him, what you realize is he's doing life on his own. You know, it's 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 not it's not a big fundamental thing. He's just trying to fly solo and, and it doesn't work, you know. Sometimes. Right the solutions and the, and the helps are really pretty basic and they're pretty close at hand. They're just, they're just hard to apply.
0: Amen. Well, and again, it's daily. I mean, you know, mm. in day they talk about one day at a time yeah. Yeah. and there's a reason they do that. Now, the other thing that, that you mentioned about relapse, I recently had one of my sons on the broadcast uh, and talked about how he had fallen into addiction and basically was in the grip of mm. that alcoholism for 10 years. Mm. and I mean, he did a beautiful job. I, if, if you're listening to this broadcast and you're saying, where can I find that one? Well, write to us or go to our website, call our number, and uh, we can help you find that as well because his testimony is beautiful. And it's mm. a two-part message, but mm. but the thing is, one of the observations that he made is that if you relapse, you don't start back at the beginning mm. with the addiction.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, in other words, it's not like, it took me this many years to get to this point, and then God set me free. I stopped drinking, and I'm free. And then, if I start again, it's going to take me a long time to get down that deep. No, mm-hmm. we'll actually start where yeah. you left off. Yeah, and that's why so many people, when they relapse, uh, are really literally in danger of death because it it you don't take months or years to fall back into the bottom of the pit. Mm-hmm. find yourself having yeah. stepped yeah. off a cliff yeah. and at the bottom. The mm-hmm. wonderful thing is Jesus will still meet you there.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, and actually what, I what, say. I, and what I've heard connected to that people describe is the fact that they also, once they got a serious taste of freedom, mm-hmm. they went back to pretty close to rock bottom again. It never, it, it, it was never quite what it was before. There was something about experiencing that new abundant life. Yes. So then there was just something even more that was missing that was actually a motivation
0: in terms of change and, and, and finding freedom. Praise God. Well, mm. that's, that's true. Once once, you know, the Lord, uh, it takes it, it takes the fun out of sinning. Mm. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> exactly. The, the things that used to be able to. Numb you. My my brother John, who was far from the Lord for a long time and then and now he's a, a marvelous pastor. But um my brother John said that having to memorize all that scripture as a child didn't keep him from sinning, but it took the fun out of it. Yeah, exactly. He'd be about to do something he shouldn't, and he'd remember a verse. <laughs> and uh, he he said, I'd go ahead and do what I shouldn't do, but he said, But I felt really badly. So likewise, as you're describing, a person it, it can it give a person both dissatisfaction in the mm. sin, mm. and it can give them hope. Yes. That if the Lord has not abandoned me because of what I've done,
1: yeah.
0: then I should not give up because of what I've done. Yeah. I need to come to Jesus. Yeah. And ultimately, Jesus is, I mean, he's the one who made us. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Mm. That is still the truth. He came so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Mm. But if people, the stigma of addiction is such that people in the Christian community, particularly, Mm. are loath to admit that they have a problem. And they're loath to recognize that their loved one has a problem. Mm. And then again, there's this confusion that says, well, my goodness, if this person has that problem. They must not really be a Christian, mm. and we don't create church communities that make that
1: possible, that make it safe, that have that sort of grace, and and those those private spaces. You know, the place where often people ask, why can't church be more like AA in, in its honesty, in its reality, in its vulnerability. Well, the problem is because and and we, we don't have those spaces, you know. Sunday morning is not probably the place for that, you know. But, there, but 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 there can be places where we say, hey, okay, where can we where can we get real, and where can we just come with with this grace-filled yet high expectations for one
0: another kind of culture. Exactly, it's not mm. a place where we all congratulate each other on our latest sin, mm. but it is a place where there's love, there's grace. Mm not acceptance of sin, but acceptance of people mm, who are a work in progress, like amen. all of us are. Mm, amen. All of us are. Now, Andy, your work currently is still building those communities of healing. Talk mm. with us a bit about that. Sure. Yeah. Nova Communities
1: um, was started in 2015. And with this vision to empower God's people in developing nations to create effective and sustainable transformational communities for, for folks gripped by addiction. So we piloted and pioneered that down in Bolivia in a city called Santa Cruz. And yet yeah, just, a, just a couple of hours ago, I was talking to the director of our work down there. It's running well under, under local leadership, doing fantastic work. We're now in the phase really of saying, how can we as an organization come alongside those who've got a heart to either start something or or, or develop something? So we've got a program that's tried and tested. We've got uh, mentoring, training, and and really just want to come along inside in fellowship and in prayer and practical support for those in the developing world, especially who are wanting to create a transformational community. Um, Alongside that, we run a thing called Novo Adventures, which is a motorcycle tour company, uh, the goal of which is to generate income for Novo communities. So that's focused on the work in Bolivia. Bolivia is a most remarkable country to tour on on a motorcycle, incredibly diverse. So, yeah, so that's that's Novo Adventures supporting Novo communities And uh, yeah, we're now in Central America as a family, really trying to say, okay, where else can we support
0: folks who are wanting to help those gripped in addiction? That's marvelous. And the book again, folks, is Hope in Addiction. I want to recommend it to you. And Andy, I thank you so much for coming on the broadcast. Um, You pray for us, if you would, here in Tennessee, as we're working with the children and we'll appreciate it. Amen. Bless you. Thank you so much, Jim. God bless you, sir. Have you ever really wanted to make a difference in this world? You can. It's possible for you to be a part of a miraculous place where God is doing a work of healing in the lives of children who come from difficult circumstances. Where's Valley Ranch is a ministry that belongs to Jesus. He owns the place. My wife and I had the opportunity to be here when it was started, and we have watched God work miracle after miracle, providing when only 2% of the income of the ranch comes from the families of the children in our care. We take no government money, we have a policy of no debt, and that means every day that we operate, it's because God is working in the hearts of people who want to help children you can make a difference that lasts for eternity, and I hope you will. Contact the ranch at wvr.org, or you can call us at 866-41-ABIDE. Let us hear from you.